0: Join the guild and secure your ticket to Scott's sale at the best possible price by visiting MaxLawEvents.com.
1: Nobody's gonna buy from you because you have a quota to meet. They're not gonna buy from you because you need the money and they're not even gonna buy from you because you're a really nice person who believes in your product or service. They're gonna buy from you only because they believe they will be better off by doing so Than by not doing so. Run your law firm the right way. way.
2: This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Miltrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. You're back on the Maximum Lawyer Podcast and live on Facebook with Jim Hacking.
3: And I'm Tyson Mutrix. Jimmy, I can't say I've been this excited about a guest to this point. This is an awesome guest for both of us. So do you want to do the brief introduction and let Bob take it from there?
2: Tyson, you've been talking about Bob Berg for as long as I can remember. I think if we had to make a list of the people that we talk about the most on Facebook, it would be Bob. We've talked about the go-giver philosophy. So yeah, I'm happy to go in and give Bob's introduction. Bob Berg is a sought after speaker at company leadership and sales conferences, sharing the platform with everyone from today's business leaders and broadcast personalities to even a former US president. As many of you know, Bob's the author of a number of books on sales, marketing, and influence, with total sales of well over a million copies. His book, The Go Giver, co authored with John David Mann, has sold over half a million copies and has been translated into 21 languages. It's been released in a new expanded edition with a forward by Huffington Post founder and publisher, Ariana Huffington. Bob is an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. He is also an unapologetic animal fanatic and a past member of the board of directors of Furry Friends Adoptions Clinic and Ranch in his home of Jupiter, Florida. Bob, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you both. I appreciate you having me.
3: Bob, all right, so we talk about this book all the time, so if people have not listened to it or read it, I'm disappointed. But for the people that have not read it yet, we tell them about the premise of the book.
1: Sure, the premise is very simple. it's simply that shifting one's focus and this is really the key shifting one's focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others and understanding that doing so is not only a, a pleasant way of fulfilling way to conduct business, it's actually the most financially profitable way as well.
2: Tell me about the use of a business novel, like putting it in a fictional form. How did that allow you to sort of tell
1: the lessons that you wanted to convey? Well, I think that stories connect with people. And they connect on a, really a heart level as well as an intellectual level. And I, I know myself that throughout the years, and I'm a an avid reader of all types of, of books, how-to books, uh, sales books, leadership, history, philosophy, politics, you know, I, I love to read. But, you know, I've also read, I don't know, how many business parables, uh, starting with Mandino's Greatest Salesman in the World, to Classen's Richest Man in Babylon, to the one minute series that Blanchard and Johnson did, and, and so many fantastic business parables throughout the years. And I've always noticed you can read them in an hour or two, uh, you get a great lesson, you feel great afterwards because it's information you know you can apply and that makes sense. And I just thought, you know, it would be a good idea to take the basic premise of a, another book I had written, which was Endless Referrals, which is pretty much building relationships with people in the business sense. And if we could put it into story form, and for that, I asked John David Mann, who is just a fantastic, fantastic storyteller, and we collaborated on that. It just seemed like a good way of getting out the message that we felt was timely and would be accepted.
3: So Jimmy, you don't know this, Bob, you don't know this, but I've, I've always wanted to be able to show this to you, Bob. I, I have actually written down the five laws in my book, I carry this book around with me. Jimmy knows I carry this book around with me, but I actually carry this around and I will reference it from time to time because I think it's that important. Will you tell the well, listeners what the five laws are?
1: Sure. And I, and Tyson, I it means a lot to me to know that you do that. I mean, because it really is it, it it's a it's a compliment to you know to John and to me that the laws added that kind of value to you, and so thank you. And the first law is the law of value. The second law is the law of compensation. The third is the law of influence. The fourth is the law of authenticity. And the fifth is the law of receptivity. So if you notice, there's, there's both. There's the giving and there's the receiving. It's not one or the other. In fact, we would say that all five laws... While they stand on their own as success principles, you really need to utilize all five together in conjunction in order to really have the kind of success that you desire. Uh, Utilizing one, two, three, or even four of them will, will take you a few inches on the yardstick of success, but it's only when you combine all of them that they're really going to bring you the type of success that you desire to have.
2: That's what really struck me about the book. So I'm a big audio guy. So it's great for me to be talking to you because I heard you and John uh, reading the book to me over a period of time. And I really enjoyed it. But I mean, what struck me was that the the giver in the book just kept giving and giving and giving. It wasn't like just a one time. Yeah, here, I'll help you out. He was like actively thinking and coaching and mentoring how to adopt these go giver principles.
1: Yeah, and one of them, you know, and one of the keys is to put action action to those principles. That's why we like to say, you know, people often ask, so are, are you and John saying that being a go-getter is now not in vogue, not a good thing? And our answer is no, not at all. We love go-getters. We want people to be go-getters. Go-getters are people who take action. And remember Pindar's one condition, if you will, to Joe, the protege, is you can't just think about these laws or consider whether they would work. You've got to put them into action that day. So we want people to be go-getters. Now, the the neat thing is there's no natural division between a go-getter and a go-giver. Many go-getters are also go-givers. But we would say, Jim, that every go-giver is also, by definition, also a go-getter. So we want people to be both go-getters and go-givers, just not go-takers. Those are the people who feel almost entitled to take, take, take without having added value to the other person, to the process to the situation. And these type of people go takers who are really, they're self-focused. They're focused on themselves, not on the others. They tend to not have the kind of success that they feel they're entitled to. And even those times they do, because sometimes they do, it's typically not long lasting. It's not sustainable because it hasn't been built on right foundation. And I think one of the keys for people to understand this is that this is not some la la feel good oh go giver just keep giving and things will happen. No, not not at all. This ties totally into human nature where we understand that and I often say this when I speak at a sales conference the first thing I'll say is you know nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. They're not gonna buy from you because you need the money, and they're not even gonna buy from you because you're a really nice person who believes in your product or service. They're gonna buy from you only because they believe they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. And that's fine, that's the only reason anyone should buy from you. What that does that's so wonderful is it forces the entrepreneur, the salesperson, the visitor, what have you, really put their focus where it needs to be on bringing value to that person, understanding that that's the only way we're gonna have a customer. This is why we say that money is simply an echo of value. It's the thunder to value's lightning, if you will, which means that the focus must be on the giving. The giving comes first, and the money that you receive is simply a very natural and direct result of the value you've provided.
3: It's great. Bob, one of the principles of the book is influence, and you talk a lot about the, about influence. And how does the go giver create influence, both personally and in business?
1: Well, Tyson, I think that's a great question, and we need to start with a kind of a definition, if you will, of of influence. What what is influence really? On a very basic level, we can define influence as simply the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a uh, A specific goal. Now, that might be the definition, but I don't believe that's the essence of influence. The essence of influence is pull. Pull as opposed to push. As in, you never hear someone saying, wow, that's Sarah or that Tom. Uh, He is so influential. He has a lot of push with people. (laughs) Uh, No, he has a lot of pull with people, right? I mean, how far can you push a rope? Not very, at least not very fast or very effectively, no. Influence is pull, it's an attraction. Great influencers attract people to themselves and then and only then to their ideas. And they do this again, not through pushing their will on others or pushing themselves on others or being pushy, right? But through its opposite, pull. Now this pull is a very legitimate form of power Power being the exact opposite of force, which is what? It's manipulation, intimidation, uh, compliance, bullying, right? And, And which people sometimes when they're in a position of power, positional authority is what it's called, they'll do that. They can even get away with it to a certain point. But only until the people they are in charge of don't need to listen to them. And certainly, when you try to rule based on positional authority, you know, or try to influence that way, people will, at the mo- at, at the best, do exactly what you tell them and not one bit more. That's at best. At worst, they'll find a way to sabotage the process completely, consciously or, or unconsciously. They certainly will not bring their best effort with them. Uh, we've seen that time and time again. It's self evident at, at this point. So, the great influencer understands something on a heart level. Okay. And that, when I say heart, I just mean, not just intellectually, but they understand it, you know, within their, within their being. And that is it, which also happens to be what I believe was Dale Carnegie's underlying premise in his classic, how to win friends and influence people. And this is where he wrote ultimately people do things for their reasons, not our reasons. So the great influencer is always self-questioning. It's always, you know, how does what I'm asking this other person to do, how does it align with their goals, their wants, their needs, their desires, their values? And when asking ourselves these questions, I guess intellectually, when asking ourselves these questions with thought, when asking ourselves these questions with a genuine caring about the other person, again, not as a way to manipulate another person into doing our will, but as a way to building everyone in the process, we've come much closer to earning that other person's commitment rather than compliance. And that's where influence really takes hold. Uh, Great influencers understand that great influence is never about the influencer. It's about the other person, about those we we want to influence, about those we choose to add value to, which now aligns with law three from the go-giver, the law of influence, which says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. So not in a way that's self sacrificial or doormatty or martyrish, not at all. But it is understanding that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to and allow themselves to be led and influenced by those people they know, like and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you in others than by, again, as, as one of the mentors, uh, Sam, advised Joe, the protege, than by genuinely moving from an I focus or me focus to an other focus, looking for ways to make your win all about the other person's win.
2: And I think that's such a great lesson because so many people spend so much time trying to calculate, you know, what's in it for me? If I do this, will they do that? There's a lot of tit for tat and not a lot of long-term analysis. I, I think in a lot of ways you're about, you know, letting go of the result and just doing what's right. And the, like you said, the money or whatever, other rewards will come to you later. And I think that's a real a real mindset shift
1: for people. Yeah. and And, you know, only because it goes against – what so you know what so many people are taught it goes against what we're what we're taught in the media that right the wealthy people do it on the backs of others or by taking advantage of others and this and that and you know all the horrible messages we get about successful people, which by and large simply isn't true. Not that it's a big world. There's all types of people out there. But by and large, now most people are, especially the more free market a society is, which simply means no one is forced to do business with anyone else, the more you can only do well by helping others do well. It's it's the only way, because again, nobody has to do business with you in a mainly free market uh, based economy. But here's also what I, what I think it is. As human beings, Jim, we are self-interested. We're built that way. I mean, you know, in the cave person days, it's how our ancestors survived. I mean, every day was literally, not figuratively, literally life and death, right? You had to know who in that 150-person tribe you could trust to not kill you. You had to know that the um, footprints meant the same thing or what the sounds in the wild meant, right? I mean, so it was self-preservation. We don't have that today, but obviously that's kind of wired, hardwired into our DNA. So we, we are, by nature, self-interested people. That's not bad or good. It just is. But here's what happens. It's very logical and intuitive to operate that way, and yet that's not the most profitable way. It's not the most productive way to operate. It's that person who can put that other person's interest first, who can always think of that of, of how to help the other person win, that's the person who, who comes out ahead consistently, both short-term and long-term. So here's what we need to do, because the question is often asked, okay, well, how do you make that shift then if it's not so natural? You kind of take a hint from when you watch a movie. If you've ever heard the, the saying, the willing suspension of, of disbelief, we go into a movie and we know it's not real. I mean, it's a... A silver screen or whatever it is, right? We we see the people in the the different parts. We've seen them before. The person who's playing James Bond isn't that the same guy who was playing Remington Steele 30 years ago? I mean, you know, we, we know they're the same character, right? But in order to enjoy the movie, in order to be able to feel the feeling and get the essence into, we willingly suspend our disbelief. It helps us enjoy and, and well in sales or business or life or you know what have you, what we want to do is not forego our sense of self-interest, but temporarily and willingly suspend it. Just kind of set it off to the side. Understand that to the degree we can do this is the degree when we do it genuinely, is the degree that we are going to build trust in our relationships with others. People are going to come to know us, to like us, to Trust us, and so you know where we could do that. We could say, well, I can willingly suspend it temporarily, suspend it. But then what happens is, as we do this, we start to see the great results. Not only are we making more money, but we have better relationships, and we have more enjoyment of what we do. Our sense of happiness is more. Again, there's nothing self-sacrificial about this. This is all congruent with our with our principles. And it tends to make for a, a life and a business that's a lot more fun, a lot less stressful, and again, a lot more profitable.
3: Bob, I'm just curious, how did you and John come up with these principles or these laws? I mean, what what did you look to to, to actually come up with this book? I mean, what was the inspiration?
1: Well, John and I are both entrepreneurs. That, that's our background, uh, our backgrounds, and we also, though, remember, John has been writing for a long time as well, and so he's studied entrepreneurs, the successes. the And of course, I'm an avid student of, of this and and just getting to speak at so many great conferences and conventions, I get to meet these you know mega successful people. So it's always great that you can experience certain things and you can learn from those. And you put that together. And, and when we were writing the story for this, it was, well, what are the things that we know have been proven to work? What works? What doesn't? And so that's why we often say that there's nothing in this book that's particularly new <laughs> As opposed, you know in terms of the principles in fact the early adopters of this book were not the people who needed the book the early adopters of this book were the people who were already the successful huge producers and CEOs and you know, people who were already living their lives and conducting their businesses according to these laws long before the book ever came out we may have put a name to them and due to johns wonderful storytelling been able to put it into story form but there's nothing that top producing people haven't been doing either intuitively or or having learned for years so that's how we really came up well we just looked at you know what what is it that people do? And some of them you know, kind of started to write itself after a while. I mean, we knew the foundational principle was the law of value. And, and while all the laws are equally important, the law of value is the foundational one because that's really where the shift in focus comes. That's where you understand the difference between price and value and what your main job is in bringing that, that ultimate experience to others. Okay. And after that, you know, it sort of just sort of went along. And, you know, it, that's why we like to say we, we were sort of su- surprised at some of the turns in the story as it as it went along as well. It was a lot of fun.
2: Bob, you probably don't know much about Tyson and I, and it was very generous of you to agree to come on the show. But we became friends and in sort of a mentoring role. I, I went back to the law school and I was teaching a class on how to run your own law firm. And and then Tyson and I became friends as he opened up his firm. And then we were having these great conversations and we thought, well, there's a real need uh, for young lawyers to be able to connect with people and to learn sort of good principles, both for marketing and for running their law firm. And so if you had a young lawyer, that's, that's a main base of our listeners. If you had a young lawyer who was just going out on their own, how would you encourage them to incorporate the go-giver principles into their budding law firm?
1: The only way you can do it is, is to focus on, on doing that. It's understanding why first that this is going to be a way that is going to be productive for you. Because if a person doesn't understand that in the first place, they're not gonna right? they're not gonna apply them. <laughs> so so I would ask, you know, as they read through the laws, why is the law of value important? How does how does focusing on that other person, even before they become clients, how does that help you in your practice? Because if it doesn't, there's no reason to use it. Right. So how how does it And then? Why is the law of compensation so important? Why does it tell you? Why is it that the first law, as important as it is, is only your potential income? But the second law is what brings it together and brings you in a really terrific income. Why does the law of influence make so much sense? Shifting that focus to them as opposed to kind of looking out for yourself. Why? You know, so so in other words, I go through and then I look at at the great examples, you know, people like yourself, you're bringing fantastic value by doing this. And then you look at someone, our mutual friend, Mitch Jackson, and look how Mitch, who's just just amazing with what he does and has been so very successful. And, uh, you know, Mitch was one of these people. He was operating his life and business, the go give away again, long before he ever heard of the book. So I would say watch the people who are, again, sustainably successful, enjoying their practice, because what is it to have a a financially successful practice that that you loathe, but there's no reason to. You should be having a very financially successful practice that you love and that you just go to work every day just loving the value you bring to
3: others. Bob, I think one of the most difficult uh, laws to really uh, grasp and understand is number five, and it's the law of receptivity. The key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. Can you talk a little bit about that and why it's so important? Well, it's so
1: important because all the giving in the world, the giving of value, the giving of yourself, providing value to others, all that's terrific. It's fantastic. But it's all for naught if you don't allow yourself to receive and like measure. In the story, we use the example of breathing out and breathing in, right? And you can breathe out, which is, we, we all, as human beings, we breathe out carbon dioxide, we breathe in oxygen. We breathe out, which is giving. We breathe in, which is receiving. But try to hold that outgoing breath, right, for just 30 seconds. You can't do it. If you went, you know, and then tried to hold that, you couldn't. And what it shows is if you're just giving and not receiving, you're totally stopping the flow. You're hurting yourself, but you're also hurting everyone else because you've got nothing to give <laughs> if you're not receiving. But again, we go back to something we, we touched on earlier. The, the messages we receive, our uh, belief systems based on a combination of upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television shows, movies, where success and achievement and prosperity has has become almost a dirty word today and people look at the reasons why that's not a good thing and you see this everywhere, uh, sometimes outright, but also there's a lot of kind of subliminal messages, not purposely as much as it just kind of infests the whole thought process with what you hear from people. And it's very easy to get caught up in that, well, if I'm making a lot of money, i maybe i'm uh, it's because i'm doing something bad to people no not at all so uh, i think that's a big thing so we've got to get past that some some great people who with information on that is people like randy gage who has the prosper randy gage's prosperity blog and prosperity tv you can also listen to an interview on, that uh, a couple of interviews i've done with randy on the go giver uh, podcast. Just go to the gogiver.com slash podcast, put in Randy Gage. Uh, also, David Nagel, N-E-A-G-L-E, uh, The Millions Within. Great speed on prosperity, but really what it is, is helping us get that, past that mind block regarding receptivity and, and so forth. So study receptivity, You know, study abundance, study prosperity, because we get enough garbage in our heads naturally uh, we need to make sure that we filter and, and and allow the correct information to get in there.
2: Bob, I gotta ask, do you ever get tired? Do you ever feel stretched too far? Do you ever feel like you've given too much or that people are not taking advantage, but that you've just you just got nothing left
1: to give? No. No, not at awesome. all. And That's I'll just awesome. say there's nothing there's nothing about being a go giver that says that you should allow yourself to be taken advantage of, that you should be unduly stressed. I mean, business is business. There are always issues. People are people. There are always issues. But no, nothing as a result of being a go-giver means you should be taken advantage of. Like when you're a go-giver, you've got to be able to say no a lot more than you say yes, because as a go-giver, you're probably going to be very, very successful and sought out by people and busy. And in order to be able to serve those you need to serve, you've got to be able to say no to, to different things. And so, uh, But what a go-giver does is they say no in a way that's very respectful and very kind, and one that honors other people, the other person, as well as honoring one's own boundaries.
3: We have a question from one of our listeners, Don McClure, and I'm going to paraphrase. It's a long question, so I'm going to paraphrase. He says, I feel like my clients don't always realize when I'm giving great value. And he lists some some, some examples of you know, some great achievements by as an attorney. He says, how should I ed- educate my clients to realize I did a great job?
1: So, Don, that's a great question. And let's go back to, a, let's go to a, a, another basic premise when we talk about value and the difference between price and value. Price is a dollar figure. okay? It's finite. It is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something, to the end user or beholder. What is it about this thing, this product, this service, this counsel from their attorney That is of so much worth to them that they will willingly and gladly exchange their money for this service you provide and be ecstatic that they did. Now, let's remember that value is always in the eyes of the beholder. It's not what you think you did that's of value. It's not what you think they should think you did is of value. It's what they believe is of value. So it really begins in the discovery process when you're first speaking with this person discovering through questions what they need, what they want, what they desire, what are they looking to accomplish and achieve, and how do they feel you can best do that. What in this relationship or in the work you're doing for them will have them feel as though you really brought the kind of value that they desire, and you need to ask them that so they can tell you. Now, during the time you're doing this work, do checkups with them and ask, is this, you know, does this, is this what you were talking about? How do you feel about? How happy are you with? And let them be telling you, and you asking the questions. And there's nothing wrong with communicating to them that you're adding, that you're you're providing this kind of value. But it can't necessarily be you saying I did this, I do that, as much as asking them the questions and having them tell you. Because when they say it, they believe it. Right? When you say it, it's you know, it's it's not the
3: same thing. Does that make sense? sense. Great sense.
2: Bob, we want to be appreciative of your time. And, and we certainly thank you for joining us on the show. We've gotten a lot out of it. My last question would be, you're such a great mentor to so many people. Have you come across mentors in your own life or go-givers in your own life that, that just sort of led you to this uh, understanding? Is it is it something that you just observed over time and that you've seen, have you seen it grow since the go-giver came out?
1: Well, I've been very lucky in terms of mentorship because I was born to a couple of great mentors. So I, I got to watch my folks live life and conduct business and provide value to others just in everything they did, everything they said, everything they, they were and still are. So very lucky that way. I've also been very fortunate that As I was getting older and as I went into business and whenever I kind of needed help, it seemed like there was someone there. It seemed like there was always someone there to be able to reach out to. Now, when doing so, I always was respectful. I never felt entitled to anyone's help. I would ask and always make sure people understood I, you know, did not feel entitled to this, but that I appreciated anything they might – and I always made sure to write thank you notes and do whatever I could to help them and to be try to add value to their lives as they were adding value to mine. And I think that's important when seeking a mentor. I think that's important when seeking advice for for anyone. But I, I always kind of got lucky in that way. There were always people who, you know, that didn't mean they were longtime mentors, but they may have been people I could have called whenever I needed to, or someone who just gave me that one piece of advice that Uh, took me from point A to point B or what have you. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, that's, that's been a big part for me. I've ever since I first got into sales in my, I guess, mid twenties and began realizing that you don't need to recreate the wheel. You certainly don't need to invent one. It's already been invented. So if you can, when determining what it is you want to do, when you can seek out and find the information from people, and it could be both live mentors, it could be, you know, books and, watching videos on the internet or, you know, whatever it happens to be, a combination of such. It's not one or the other. And then apply that information, stay persistent and stay teachable. I think we're, you know, we're always ahead of the game.
3: Bob, as Jim said, we do want to be very respectful of your time. So we want to thank you for for being on here. Before we get to our tips and hacks of the week, I do want to, Remind everybody to go to iTunes, give us a five-star review if you like what you're listening to, or in this case, watching as well. For the people that are on the Facebook group, you're able to actually watch this interview. For people listening to this, join the Facebook group. Um, get in, get involved. You can see things like this. You can actually interact with us. Other than that, Jimmy, you got your hack of the week?
2: So my tip of the week is the Go-Giver podcast. It is one of my favorite podcasts. I like it. It's nice and digestible. There's always good lessons. It reminds me of the five principles often. Bob just had on one of our friends, Tyson Bill Ellis, so that that was fun, uh, and it's just it's a great show and it's a great introduction to the Go Giver movement.
1: Bill is just such a great guy. He's he's just such a fantastic human being. He and Tara are just the the sweetest couple, and I just uh, I'm I'm blessed and honored to be friends with them.
3: Uh, I did I want to cut in to say Miss Jackson says hi hi from the West Coast. So Miss Jackson's actually watching right now, so he wants uh, to say hi. Okay. But uh, Bob, we do ask our guests to give a tip of the week. Do you have a tip for us?
1: Become known as that person who who goes out of their way to do that little bit extra. One excellent way is to write handwritten notes to people you've just met, people you're doing business with, people who've done something nice for you and, and not, you know, email's great. Social media is fantastic. Tech, I do all those things but there's nothing like a handwritten, personalized note of thanks. It's that little thing that makes an absolutely huge difference, and you'll become known for that, and you will, people will keep those on their desk, they will think of you, they'll remember you, and it says about you, that's a person who goes out of his way like no one else
3: does. Excellent tip. Very good tip. So my tip of the week is something where it fits in with the book. I want to give something that fits in what we're talking about today. And if you listen to this, you're you're gonna be able to apply this. I want you to go home if you're married or if you have a girlfriend, whatever it may be, because it fits in perfectly with the book. When you're having a conversation with them, I want you to think about how um, this comes directly from the book. I want you to think about how you can add value to that conversation, to, to that person you're talking to, and not really about benefiting yourself, how you can benefit them. And so if you don't have a girlfriend, if you're not married, think about a good friend that you have, have that conversation, and think about how you can actually help them in that situation and not, a, not how it benefits you. So that's my tip of the week. Jimmy, anything else?
2: No, Bob, thanks so much. And thanks to Mitch for setting this up. It was a great episode, our best ever, and we really appreciate having you on the show, Bob. <laughs> Thank you. The
1: pleasure's mine. Thank you both.
3: Yes, thank you, Bob. And thank you for our listeners for watching and for listening as well. Bob, I can't tell you how much we really appreciate this. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Bye, guys.
3: See you.
2: Thanks for listening to the Maximum, the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, more content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.